Pelotero Pickle, episode 90. Special guest, Rich Gedman. Rich had a huge influence on Chris and myself. Tons of good lessons in this episode. You're going to love it. Check it out. Pelotero Pickle, episode 90. This is a good one. we got a special guest with us. But first, as always, send us questions to our email, pickle at pelotero.com, or hit us up on Twitter, at Pelotero Pickle. I'm, I'm Bobby Tewksbury. I almost said I'm Chris Colabella. I'm Bobby Tewksbury with Chris Colabella. We have special guest with us, Rich Gedman. I'm going to throw it to Chris and let him do the intro for Rich. But very excited to have him on. Uh, he's been a pretty big influence on both of us. So, Chris, what do you got? You got through the tough part that you struggle with, and then you messed up to names today. So, it's a recurring. I always struggle with the intro. We've done it ninety times, and I'm getting anyway, better. I'm yeah, getting better. Progress. Uh, yeah, this is a special one for me. This, uh, yeah, this is my guy. Like I talk about him a lot. He's everything to me in my baseball career. Um, I would say, without him, I don't get to do any of the things that I got to do. Any of the stuff that's behind me is so much because of this man, uh, friend, mentor big brother father all the things that you need in your life and your baseball career uh rich has been to me and i am honored humbled and uh get to go see him get inducted into the red sox hall of fame hi ged how are you hey chris how you doing dukes what's up how are we doing i'm well thanks look i even you're always with me i want to you know this will just go on our social this is you're always here so i got two rich gedman bobbleheads i turned the right one this is you catching. It's this one looks more like Michael, and then this was. I don't know why the the silver rims. I never remember silver rims on your glasses, but uh, yeah, you're always in the room with me. You're the only guy that has two bobbleheads in my collection, so soon to be three. You. It sounds like. Yeah, I got another one coming up. So um, current. So let's do uh, let's yeah, do a, let's do a little background. Let's do a little background on Rich. Kind of tell the story a little bit. So you're currently with the Worcester Red Sox, no longer the Pawtucket Red Sox. So you've been in Worcester for a while now. Um, grew up in the area. You drafted out of high school, or were you drafted no draft. or signed? You're signed out of I was high school. Signed out of high school. Yeah. So to, you, I've heard stories about you know, you've told stories about this, but let's for the people that don't know, signed out of high school. But it was like was it late summer signed? Is yes. that how that worked? It was after Legion. The draft was already over. Um, I don't know why they were looking at me. They just decided they were going to sign me. So uh, when they signed me, they didn't have any more spots in A ball or low A or rookie league. Um, so what they did was they sent me to Pawtucket. And I just, I worked out with those guys when they were at home. Um, I think most of the guys probably thought I was trying out in some sort of way. But I was just catching the bullpen. I'd take batting practice and I'd watch the AAA game. Um, and I probably did that for a month and a half. They actually won the championship that year. And then I went to uh, the Florida Instructional League in 77. And you were predominantly, you weren't predominantly a catcher in high school, right? I don't think a lot of people know that about you. Um, it feels like I made every team I ever played on as a catcher, but never caught. Um, at Little League, at nine years old, I caught just because nobody else wanted to do it. And it was the way on the field. Um, and then at 10 years old, they, I end up being a pitcher, shortstop, infielder, whatever. Um, Babe Ruth, I catch, and then and I end up pitching. My arm's too sore to catch, so I play first or uh, middle infield. 
Um, anyways, to make a long story short, is every team I've ever played on, I've made it as a catcher, but I hadn't really caught when, you know, it's like every, like I said, so figure first year at junior high, first year of high school, um, you know, so I could find a way onto the field. And then it ended up being that they'd look at you and go, well, geez, he, he's got a pretty good arm when we try and pitching. And so I'd end up being a pitcher, first baseman in high school, um, my sophomore, junior, senior year. And then when I went to Pro Bowl, um, the guy said to me, it was actually kind of funny. He says, you're, uh, he says, you're probably too slow for the outfield. And corner outfielder guys have to hit homers. And you're kind of a line drive guy. And um, he, he says, as a pitcher, you're a five-inning pitcher at best. And so, you know, and we got plenty of arms to throw like you and, um, and probably better. And, oh, thanks. I appreciate it. You're really interested in me, I can tell. Um, and then he went, well, third base, it's the same thing. You know, you got to hit homers. You're too slow to play in the middle infield. He said, at first base, he said, we're trying to prolong older guys' careers. He said, but the one spot I have for you is catching. He said, and you're a left-handed catcher. And he said, left-handed catchers are very valuable. He said, and it's the fastest way to the major leagues. I said, listen, I don't have a catcher's glove. I said, if you can get me a catcher's glove, I'll be more than happy to take this job and just tell me where I need to go. So that's the start of it. <laughs> so like in the greatest knockdown speech of all time at the end, he just that's the knockdown to pump you up and then the rest was kind of history right <laughs> here we're gonna go we're gonna send you to instruction league and good luck yeah so i left with my um three t-shirts and three gym shorts and a pair of jeans and a pair of khakis and a couple of polo shirts and out the door i went and yeah. here's the start 60 game instructional league so i didn't really play every game uh, but certainly it was a heck of an exposure to pro bowl that's for sure what was that like being a Northeast kid getting thrown into the fire down there? Well, I, a couple of times I almost came home because I looked at my left hand and I went, it doesn't even look like it belongs to me. Um, I was swollen from the middle of my palm till the end of my fingertips and it was black and blue. And I thought I, I would never be able to catch a ball in the glove. It seemed like I always kept hitting my hand, but you make adjustments, you slide your fingers over and, you get bruises in other areas. And then, I mean, I, I saw guys who threw the ball harder than I've ever seen. They did things with the baseball I've never seen in my life. And the fact that I just had a bruised hand, I guess I was pretty lucky. Um, but they were good and it was very intimidating. And I just learned to keep my mouth shut and keep my head down and just keep on pushing along and try not to let them know that it hurt. And every time I got to play, try to do as best I could. And then fast forward, I mean, there was, I mean, you signed when you were 17 and, True. and then that, that was that first year in instructional league. And then, I mean, basically a two year, two and a half year stint in the minor leagues before you turned out to be a, a big leaguer playing at Fenway it, Park. It was three full seasons in the minor leagues. Um, when I, when I think about it from, from the time, from the time I signed till the, when I went to triple a i had already played 400 minor league games it's not it's not much but in two years that's an awful lot so i went a 140 game season 60 games instructional league or 60 games instruction 140 game season 60 game instructional league 140 game season so if my math is correct that's 400 games then playing another 140 in triple a 
So that puts me at a little over five something, 550 in a really short period of time. So, I mean, it's really quick, but I wasn't going to tell him I couldn't do it. <laughs> All right, I so stunk I'm, in AAA, I'm telling you. I don't know how the heck they brought me to the big league. Well, I, I mean, I know, but that's neither here nor there. I, what I'm curious about, and this is, I've known you for almost 20 years now. I've never, what, when did you, how did you find out you were going to the big leagues? And what was that moment like in just for you personally? It's kind of weird. It's not like the communication of today, you know, and I wasn't always the, like this straight guy, you know, always doing the right thing. Um, so earlier in the year, we got rained out in um, Charleston, South Carolina. Maybe, no, maybe it was Charleston, West Virginia, but either way, um, we were stuck in a hotel for two or three days, not going anywhere. We were kind of low on meal money, if not out. And, you know, so a few guys pooled money together and, you know, we ate inside and played cards and just kind of hung out and be teammates. And uh, we just started to do foolish things. Um, they had a pretty large telephone book in, in uh, the hotel. And one of our guys said he could rip it, you know, for cash and um, sure the shit he, he, tore that thing up like you couldn't believe but it messed up the whole you know i mean there were beer cans and pizza boxes and uh telephone books torn up and yeah so needless to say you got in trouble all of us who were in there got fined for 50 bucks and so at the end of august early september i got called back into the office again off the field and i mean I was hitting 230, you know, so I, I wasn't I wasn't thinking, gosh, they're calling me in to go to the big leagues. So there's seven or eight guys in the room, and I look in the room, and I'm going, wait a second. I didn't do anything with these guys to get in trouble. Let's see what's up. So, I mean, I hate to sound so naive, you know, but I was just a pup. I mean, I was 20 years old, uh, playing with much older guys. Most, most guys were college graduates. There wasn't a whole lot of high school guys there, if any. And so uh, when I was when I was in Joe's office, he didn't really individualize it. He did it collectively. He said, listen, fellas, I want you to know that after this season is over, you're all going to the major league. And I just I, I didn't know what to do. I, I, I'm not even sure of the emotion. I, I'm trying to think of what it felt like back then. And the only thing I could think of was home. Um, how am I going to be able to tell my, how am I going to tell my dad that I'm going to the big leagues? How am I going to tell my mom? They're not going to believe it. And I, I really wasn't sure how I, I thought they were messing with me to tell you the truth. Going, okay, who's going to tell me that um, this is not true? Um, but it was. And they said, listen, we want you to get in your uniform and we're all going to take a ride over to 95, um, 95 North. And we're going to take a picture of all you guys. And uh, we're going to use that in the newspaper. And um, like I said, as soon as the season's, season's over, you're going to be going to the major league. So that was my introduction to it. And I couldn't wait to tell my dad or my mom. I didn't, I, I think uh, I didn't touch the ground or sleep for a few days. Um, it was pretty special. That's awesome. So you were, you were in Pawtucket at that time? Yes. So that, that's pretty close. Were, were your, was your family able to come down to games at that point? Um, or was it... That's another thing that people don't know a whole lot about. My mother and father did not drive. So they really didn't have their own transportation. Um, when you hear the stories of the people that said you used to walk both ways up the hill, um, that was me. Um, so, you know, I had to walk everywhere or ride a bike. 
Um, they really didn't come to many games, but they always watched. They were, were looking at the newspaper, seeing how it was going. Um, I'm a junior, so my father used to read his name in the newspaper every time I did good, and he probably didn't like it much when I didn't do so well. But um, um, he was very proud, and um, he was quite an influence on me as to wanting to not just do it for me, but do it for someone else. And um, it, it, it made it took some of the pressure off me, not worrying about me so much, but keeping me going to try to um, impress someone else who was very difficult to impress. Let me tell you, that was one of the uh, the greatest lessons that you taught me in 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 our game was the ability to, to do that because we have a we have this tendency when we get caught up in things as players and caught up in our own numbers and and all the the bullshit that surrounds the difficulty and emotion of the game is to do it for the guy next to you or to, to play for something bigger than yourself and I've never forgotten that and for that I'm forever grateful and it's a message I pass along to a lot of young hitters today and uh, it's pretty cool. You know, the, the game's hard enough um, and the one thing I think sometimes we forget is we have our eyes set so much on the prize that we forget about the journey and when we're going when we're going through it there's some tough times in there i mean just telling you the story about how i got to the big leagues it's like i was hitting 230 and i thought i was failing when actually somewhere in there they thought i was succeeding and some of it might have been my age um some of it might have just been inexperienced some of it, it might have been just being naive but what you do is you, you learn from everybody. I, I can remember some of the things like after I failed coming back from the plate and somebody said, um, you know, hang with them, hang with them. I, I, I don't really like hang with them. I want to be the guy who does it. But I learned what hang with them meant, meaning your turn's over. That was the register to me every time somebody said hang with them, meaning you have to deal with what just happened, but your turn's over. Get into someone else's moment. Root for somebody else. The nice part about being young and being a catcher is your job ends up being more important on the field catching than it does at the plate hitting. And so it, it, there's lessons that you're learning in the game because you have no choice. It's obvious if I got my head up my butt, um, not paying attention to calling a game or blocking balls or throwing people out or or just even settling a pitcher down. It's like my time, there's separation in this game that some people forget about. And it's like, no, you don't, you're not just the hitter, you're a player. And when there's gotta be separation in your game. So when you're on defense, you play defense. And then if you don't get any hits, they don't get any hits. Um, and then when you're, when you, you get a hit or you get a walk or there's an error, now you become a base runner. Or, or you just put a ball in play, you become a base runner. So what do you do? It's like, I run hard. Why do you run hard? Because that's the way, what you're supposed to do. It's a reaction to putting a ball in play. So why do I do that? It's because I want to train myself to deal with, if I don't like it, run hard to get rid of my junk. If I hit it well and somebody makes a mistake, I want to be in a position to take advantage of it. But there's so many people who think that once they get on base, it's over. It's not over. You're a base runner. That's another part of your game that becomes important. Whether you're a base dealer or not, you have to run the bases well. You have to understand to look around and see where the infielders and outfielders are so you can get a better break than other people who might be faster than you. 
because those become important, those little inches that you can take. And you have to challenge yourself over and over and over daily. Just don't be happy getting on base. You have to work on your leads. You And then that's all the time. And so having said all this, you're going, by the end of the day, you're pretty tired in this game. But it's because you focus. It's a game you're playing within the game. And everybody has it going on. And it's hard to, you know, I, I as a coach, I sit there sometimes and I look at our guys and I say, what are you thinking? And they're like, what do you mean? I mean, what are you thinking right now? What are you what are you thinking about? Or what happens when you get to first? What are you thinking? And it's like, ask them, it's like, what's your program when you get to first? Oh, I'm trying to get a big lead. I'm trying to steal. Where are the outfielders? Where are the infield? Especially with the way they shift nowadays, it's hard to know where they are. But if you know where they are, you can take advantage of that by, by taking extra bases. And honestly and truly, the guys don't throw the bases as well as they used to um, just because I don't think they practice it enough. That's a whole nother ball of wax. I, I'm sorry to keep on drifting. Here, no, this but, is awesome. Um, Bobby just texted me and said when he gets going, it's special. So <laughs> what yeah. happens is I don't know where I'm going to go. So I don't even know if I answer the first question. You know, it, it's just it's stuff that I think about that I don't always say. But when I get around people that I feel I want to listen, I don't mind telling them because I know you're not going to laugh at me or make fun of me. You're going, this is what really happened. This, this is uh I feel I feel uniquely blessed because I got to spend as much time around you as I did and I try to share that with the world as much as possible and this is an opportunity for me and Bobby and our team to be able to do that because the messages are right they're all right and it, it the the beauty is the authenticity in all of them and where they come from and and i'm i'm telling you get it's it's magic it's magic to my ears and to to a lot of people's ears when they get around you because you you give this tremendous perspective and i got to see it as a player starting in 2005 and i watched this manifestation of all the things that you talk about about being in moments playing the game the right way running hard down the first baseline being there for your teammates I watched it translate into this just magical experience as a team where every guy on that team had the best year of their career, everyone to a man. And we ended up winning the championship and we had the most fun we could have ever had. And then I watched that translate at every level of the game, including when I was able to get the major leagues and do it with the Toronto Blue Jays in 2015. So you could not be more spot on in your messaging. And it's true for every level. And it's just amazing. Like as players, we, we tend to drift away from it because of our own agendas or whatever is going on in our own lives. And it's like, no, 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 just focus on this thing and you're going to be okay. It's hard. It's right. It's a really hard game. And I want you to know that um, you, you actually force some of that with me. Hey, get, come on and talk. Let's go. What are we going to talk about fellas? And we'd just be in the clubhouse hanging around like the old days. That's I was used to that. Um, I wasn't used to walking into a clubhouse and seeing everybody gone. And but you, you and Bobby and a couple other guys would be sticking around going, hey, listen, we stuck around just to wait to, to like have a conversation about let's just talk the game. And I'm like, come on, man, I don't just talk the game. No, all of a sudden there's a question, then there's an answer to the question. And then oh, that's what you think? Yes, that's what I think. And so that's where that all came from. You guys encouraged that. I I I, I didn't just say here's here it is. Well, I tell people all the time, I was just naive enough to open my ears. Like, so you say, you know, you're a naive kid. I just, I was, the only thing I give myself credit for is 
paying attention. And it started, and I, I've told the story, I don't know how many times, it, it started as I was this punk kid that didn't get drafted, thought the game owed him something, was pissed off at the world. You know, I come work out for you, and, and I've told the story about our first BP like a hundred times. <laughs> but the, the most the most defining moment out of all of it for me was when we were in Elmira, and I, I'm telling you, we're walking in the stadium, and I'm, I'm again, punk kid, like trying to act like I got it all figured out and because sh- I thought that's what I was supposed to be I didn't think I was supposed to be the vulnerable kid who needed help and you pull me aside as we were walking in the clubhouse and you go what's up and I'm sitting there and I'm like nothing what's up with you and you're like no no no, no what's up and you looked at me I remember you went no 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 no, what's up I'm sitting there thinking I don't I don't what, like what do you want me to say like sky I don't know and and that was the first time you, you told me the what you have is good enough line and just go play the game. You're okay. Keep going. Just go. I don't know why you didn't get drafted. I, you know, it, there's just a and a million things that led from that. And at first, I was sitting there and I'm you know I got the ass a little bit because I'm like, what's he talking about? He doesn't know. And then I was standing out in BP, and I'll tell you what, that was the day my life changed. It was literally the day my life changed because I was standing in the outfield checking balls, and I go, yeah, he's he's right. And, and the next day I got in the lineup and, you know, the rest was kind of history after that, which was really cool for me. So, I, you know, again, I just give myself credit for opening up my ears. And that was when I knew I was like, everything he says to me is right. So, like, I, I don't even need to verify it anymore. I don't need to vet the source. Like, the source is right. If you told me to jump off the stands at Holy Cross, <laughs> I was going to do it, you know. Oh, those are good times, Chris. Like I said, we're good for each other. I, I think some of it is that baseball coaches or baseball people are put in place for the people that need them. And sometimes baseball guys don't get the messages on your watch. They get them sometimes later on someone else's watch, but they think back and go, I remember someone else saying that once, and I didn't see it the same way as I do now. And for whatever it is, it's like for some people, it's, you know, they they look at you and you look, well, he's a fat guy. He doesn't know shit about this game. And you're going and and they just judge you by how you look instead of what you're really saying and what you mean. And then there, there are other people who, you know, they it's very clear to them as to how it is. But they don't like you said, they don't listen to anybody else because they got it all figured out. At some time. In some way, this game is going to humble all of us, if it hasn't already. And that's what I think young people miss sometimes. It's like they think they have to know all the answers. The one thing I would say when I was younger is I was smart enough to ask if I needed to know or if I didn't know. And I didn't feel funny about it because I didn't ask the person that I didn't trust. I asked the person who I thought would give me an honest answer. And I think that's what becomes really important to the people that you work with is somehow gaining their confidence when you're talking to them. It's like, I don't have all the answers. I never said I have. I have some experience that I can reflect on. Um, I, I, I had some feelings that I had to deal with myself and a lot of the ups and downs of the game. So all I'm doing is passing along information that either was passed along to me or made too much sense to me not to want to tell somebody else. I, I, I'm not the brightest guy in the world. I'm probably the most insecure person most people would ever know and ex- would expect way more. 
And that's okay with me because that's the way God made me. He made me a baseball guy. I'm not a, I'm not a electrician. I'm not a plumber. I'm not um, an Ivy league guy. I'm just a baseball guy. And somehow he just keeps me putting, he keeps putting me in positions where like in this, you asked me to come on. I was a little hesitant. I was hoping I would be too late to actually get on. Um, now that I'm here and we're talking about it, I always sit there and say, I hope I don't say something that people take wrong because that's not what I'm trying to do. Oh, well, it, let me tell you something. If they do, I'm going to go fight them. So it doesn't matter. Because <laughs> uh, everything you just said, it to me, it's about, you know, you, you, you deal with, like, I, I know you so well now, I think that I know that there's not a bad bone in your body and that anything you say to somebody is for their own benefit. You are like the ultimate mentor, teacher, uh, just role model, everything. And I, I, it's amazing to me that it, all I need to know is what your intent is. And I know your intent is always coming from the right place. And so there's no, there's no chance. Like, even if you, if you, it's like when somebody makes a mistake and you, if you know that they're, what their what their intention is and you've never made a mistake with me by the way just so you know in 17 years or whatever it's been now <laughs> and because again it's it's just such an authentic thing it, it all comes from a place of of good it all comes from a place of wanting to help and be there for somebody else which you know to me is what's pretty amazing and i i feel uniquely blessed that I got to, and i tell people this all the time i, I learned i got my hitting education from you and then i got kind of my swing education from him so it was it's weird like and, and I, I I talk about those two worlds and and how they collided for me and how so many of the messages like what we talked about in terms of building a hitter like then blended into building a swing and the way the body moves and things like that and it's, it's really cool because I, I go get you did all this stuff and and like you just learned it organically by yourself through learning an approach and learning how to build this this competitor and that had feel and made adjustments on his own and um i'm again i, I like I, I tell you what it's it's really cool to hear you talk all the time and i i don't think there are many people in the game that have said otherwise to me so that's my favorite part about it well i i appreciate it chris like i said sometimes i'm too dumb to know any better and I, I don't think that's bad either. I'm yeah. glad I'm not this egotistical maniac that thinks that I'm right all the time. I'm, sometimes I have to convince myself or I have to get pushed far enough to go, wait a minute. Yeah. Well, what, I believe, what I believe is true. And yeah. it might not be exactly what you expect to hear. But I also know that hitting a baseball is probably the single most hardest thing that anybody's ever going to have to do. Yeah. And there are times when there's people throwing a hundred miles an hour that you can't worry about, well, what is my body doing? I have to train this body so that it reacts and tells, it does what I tell it to do. And sometimes that's an emergency situation, you know? Um, sometimes. Yeah. My favorite part about all our dialogues, and I think Bobby can attest to this, is there was never a time in the cage where I felt like you were doing more than having dialogue or trying to to present an idea and, and everything you say about, you know, you, you've said it a couple of times, like, I, I don't feel like I'm the smartest guy, but the smartest guy is the one that says, I don't, I don't feel like I know everything that's, and that's what I've learned in life. Like we have so many people in the landscape and in the hitting world today that are trying to tell me they know everything. And I'm like, dude, you're full of shit. Shut up. You don't yeah, know anything. Yeah, yeah. Like, stop. Yeah. You don't know anything. You can't possibly know what another person's feeling. And I think that's the, to me, the biggest distinction between, 
all the ones that I respect in the game that I have, you know, kind of on a pedestal and with you at the top kind of looking down on everybody else. And um, it's crazy because you were, and I, I, so much of that is reflected in the way I talk about hitting now and talk with younger people because it's like, listen, this is what I felt. I, I don't. I don't know how to come do it for you. I can't get in your brain. Yeah. I can't get in your body. I can't I can't do it for you. But here are some examples of how I tried and I kinda did horse shit for a while and then I think I just figured it out at some point. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean I can I can remember when Bobby was having his place up there and was doing all the um, doing all the training at his facility in New Hampshire and coming up there and the first thing he wanted to show me was all the guys that hit the homers and i'm going i'm not interested in that part i'm interested in the i'm interested in the guy who gets a two out knock are we frozen here am i missing no. something okay chris is frozen i'm good though. yeah we, we'll going, keep going cow. as long as, remember, as, long as patrick's I, got it and and i i think the neat part about that is i i'm still stubborn but i mean you work really hard to do what you've done and I can remember even not only the hitting part, but the throwing part. And I'm going, oh, my God. And you tell me, can't you do this? And I'm going, Bobby, I didn't do it the way you're talking about. I just didn't. I didn't understand it that way. And now when I look yeah. back, now when I look back and go, I can see why my last three or four years I was not productive. Because if I could have changed and went back to the things that I knew at the beginning, I would have been fine. Or well, what I know now. I'll never forget that feeling when you came up and I was so excited and so ready to share and yeah. sh like immediate shot down just, and it wasn't bad. It wasn't, there was no, but I was, I was looking at these optimal outcomes and the game is not about optimal outcomes. Those are going to take care of themselves. And it was what I, what that helped me understand was it's about putting yourself in position to have success not about chasing perfect success. And I think I was, you know, you watch Barry Bonds and Albert Pools and all these guys hit these homers and you get excited about it. And you're like, wait a second, we got to play the game. And Chris would be like, what's my, what's my emergency two strike swing? What, when it's not perfect, what do I do? Yeah. And it became more about timing and about when you need to move well versus like after you, after you kind of get past that kind of launch phase of the swing, like you're, it's happening. So yeah. you have to, it's more about timing and how you move matters, but when you move is really, really important. So it was, and it was, I think uh, something, you know what the important. word part is, I think now as, I mean, we're 20 years removed from that and, and I'm sitting here going, what's the point I was trying to make? It, it's like, I, I understand a lot different than I used to understand. And it's just because I've been forced to have to learn. And so it's like, I don't, I don't need to understand everything. I, I'm not the guy who knows how the body works specifically. Though, but there's certain things that I know that if we do them, you'll have a chance. And it's, it starts to fall back into, well, you, you say, don't do this. The game, you know, you were just talking about, it's not the optimum. But the weird part is people started to talk about it. In the last, in the, in the last 10 years, or be, say, before COVID, there was a lot of talk about, I, I think there was a lot of young players that got messed up because they were trying to, they were thinking about launch angle stuff. And I, I think 
it's not that the information was bad. I, I just think they were understanding it the wrong way to where guys would, you know, they'd open their front side too soon and they'd be swinging way underneath. And they thought the home run was the almighty. And it's like, you go going, you get up way too many times to think homers are just it and, and think you're going to play at the highest level and be successful because these guys are bigger, stronger. I mean, they know more things. They have better diets. They, they, they hold up better, but it's just, you're not going to hit 60, 70 homers and actually hit, 300 if all you do is think about is hitting home runs and you're going to have 200 strikeouts and, and everybody says oh that's okay i'm going that's not okay the game's starting to turn back again too you know like the pitching started to change where they're saying oh yeah we, we just attacked the top and curveballs sinkers and sliders are coming back now just because they have to change ups are better so that that's part of our show notes is is talking about the changes in baseball how how the game was when you played versus I guess this whole like launch angle revolution completely agree with you by the way that there was the, a misunderstanding of the information by a lot of young players like obviously like hitting a line drive is always gonna be a good thing but everybody started trying to hit the ball too high and trying to optimize their swing for launch angle it's I I feel partially responsible for that because I was putting information out, but I've my, in my book I wrote in 2013. I said the the routine result is a line drive to the middle. Like that should be what your swing is built off of is a line yeah. drive to the middle. If you can't do that, we're in trouble. It's not a, the routine result is not a pull side homer. That's yeah. If you do I that, feel completely responsible so for the the all the crap because I started when I felt the swing stuff change. Right, I, I felt like I like unlocked this piece that was it was like uh, the Kevin Pillar analogy about it's like you just gave me the gun, right? But I had to I had already learned how to shoot it, I already learned how to aim it, I learned how to keep my heart rate low, and all the stuff that was really important about being a good shooter. But the 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 point that I was trying to get to is like there's there's this like every like 120 years of baseball information told us, hey idiot, stop trying to hit a ball over the pull side wall. To the point of my first batting practice with you yet, right? Stop right. trying to hit a ball over the left side, the left field wall, because that swing, it breaks in the game. Like it doesn't allow you to 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 mess up and be okay. And our whole objective as hitters has to be like, how good can we be when we're bad? Like how good can we be when it's messed up? You know? Yep. And that's that's the the mark that everybody missed, I think, by saying, oh, let's go optimize, 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 and it's like, well, now we just put a, a, an algorithm or a a formula on it and you think that that's you know like you're gonna beat 120 years of baseball like no 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 no. like it's good your information's fine but like it has to be like an add-on to the to core principles there's no there's no doubt that there's there's a place for it all and even you know even if i wasn't to tell you mechanically how to do something i would sit there sometimes uh, and i think back to you were talking about history I, I'm, and I'm going back a ways and I'm dating myself a little bit here, but I was watching an interview with Ted Williams talking. He was a manager of the Washington Senators. And in this conversation, he's talking about Eddie Brinkman, his light hitting shortstop. And so the reporter says to him, Ted, what do you tell Eddie Brinkman when he's popping the ball up all the time? And Ted says, I tell him to get on top of the ball a little bit, try to hit a little lower, try to hit it on the line. And the guy says, yeah, that makes sense. He says, well, what do you tell him when he's hitting too many ground balls? He says, I tell him to try to work under that ball a little bit and see if he can't get it in the air. 
to me, it sounds too logical. So what are we talking about? We're talking about having the ability to make adjustments. So I will, I'll sit there and I'll be the first one to tell you. Somebody says, hey, you got to hit the ball in the air. And I go, okay. So when the ball is down, if you can't hit it in the air, don't swing. We're, we're always trying to define our strike zone. And then one thing, the one thing that's really crazy in all this is that there's still a high ball hitters and low ball hitters. And the high ball hitters are trying to learn how to be low ball hitters. And the low ball hitters are trying to learn how to be high ball hitters. Some people handle the ball away better than others. Some people handle the ball in better than others. I'm not telling you not to go away from your strength. I'm just saying you better learn to adjust because they don't always come to your strength. And when, and the people that play this game know that you better learn how to hit all pitches. Because if you don't, they will find out. And don't get me wrong, they'll make mistakes. And once in a while, you'll get a pitch that, you know, is not their best. And you'll hit it okay. But you better learn how to hit a curveball. You better learn how to hit a slider. You better learn how to hit a cutter. You better learn how to hit a, hit a split. You better learn how to hit a fastball. Or you better be very good at three of those things. And or understanding very, which or ones outstanding are at one. Yeah, I think it, it starts with the core understanding of what you're good at, right? I can't. How many times? How many times in our six years in the dugout together? Again, I can't believe I'm pounding this ball on the ground. Is it, Chris? It's a ball sinker. It's a ball. It's, yeah, it's in. You think it's you, it speeds you up a little bit. You think it's going to be a strike, or you get uncomfortable because in is it's like in's uncomfortable for you. That's like your your dynamite. I don't want that ball there. And, and you go, well, I have to hit it. It's like, no, get your ego out of the way. That's a ball. Now, when it's a strike, does, if that guy's pounding you in and it's a strike all the time, maybe you need to make an adjustment. Back off the plate just a hair. Make him have to make an adjustment. If you're making an adjustment, make him. Make him get outside in pain. Make yeah. him. It's just stuff. It's like, <laughs> it, it's not brain surgery. But it's Are like you... we want to sit there and bang our heads off the wall going, how come this is not changing? It's like, you keep swinging at balls. It's not going to change. I, Some guys I, are really good, bad ball hitters, but I, I remember I used to stand on the white line, and you'd be like, "Get off the dish a little bit." And I was like, well, yeah. "I can't reach the ball outside." And then I'm watching clips of me, and I'm thinking to myself, like, after I started learning really how to hit the ball the other way, I was like, "I want to stand at the other side of the box. Like, get everything away from my body. Like, in yeah. is like the devil. I hate it. I just." People ask me now, they're like, what do you do with this pitch? I'm like, yeah, I just let it go. I'm like, I dare the pitcher to throw me three fastballs on the on the, on the the white inside in a row. Go ahead. I dare you. Like, I watch, I'll watch you. And, that, and there's so much, when you gain that understanding of, 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 of really, like, what the concept is, and you go, oh, my gosh, why was I such an idiot when I was younger? I was such an idiot. And it's, it was all impatience and urgency and ego and and uh, you just this blend of stuff and you know i, I wish it's, in a lot of ways i just wish it had been presented better sooner right like i it, wish but I had the weird sooner. part when, when i think about it, when i think about your success chris is even when you didn't think you understood it you still had the ability to hit 300 to me that's a special special gift i don't care what level you play at whether it's little league or it's college or it's major leagues if you have the ability to hit 300, you understand how it works. And it's, and that means there are times that you're not going for the downs. You're two strikes and you're fighting, scratching, biting, clawing, doing whatever you can to get that pitch that you can handle to get a hit. And I know that you weren't going, I'm going to try to file this off. 
because most of the time we're just trying to get to it so that we don't strike out. So therefore, if you have that ability, it's like, and you had it as a player. I mean, there's not a whole lot of guys that have it. I'm, I don't care what level you play at. Some guys will never hit 300. It's because, in my opinion, they start to play numbers instead of play their swing. Um, they start to get caught up in what's the final or I want to hold on to something. And I guess <laughs> my example of that is if I was to go to the casino and I, and I put $100 down on black and win, and now I have $200 in my hand, I think it's mine. So if I'm hitting and I'm hitting 320 because I started off hot or I hit 350, I automatically think I'm going to hit 350. And so now when it gets down to 320 and it gets down to 300, and it gets down to 275, it's like, I feel like I lost something. Like I should be at 350. It's like, no, you can't get back there right away. Chances are you're probably not even going to get back there because not many guys can do that. What an incredible analogy. Wow. Well, the, the weird part, I, I don't know. It's like, you feel like you lost something that was yours. And you're going, wait a second, you have a history. We all have a resume as to who we are as a player. If we played a full season, our resume says this. Would I like to improve on it? Yes. If I'm if I'm a 280 guy with 15 homers and 75 RBIs, which is a really good season for a pro, I, I want to do better. I, I want to be that 300 guy if I can. So what happens if I hit 275 and I have 16 homers and I have 40 RBIs? Does that make me a bad player? Some of it's opportunity. But the point is, if I think I'm more than that, a lot of times I get stuck being – not who I should be. Hey, there's a lot of things that go into who you are. Not many guys can hit 300. Uh, I, it's the thing, it's like you, people start to play numbers. That's all I can tell you. And all of a sudden, instead of getting a couple hits, they're 0 for 10 and they can't figure out why. And as I think about it now, I'll tell you why. It's because they weren't hitting. They were trying to save. They were trying to hold on. They, were, they, they, were, they weren't fighting anymore. They were thinking way too much. They're trying to survive. Yeah. Well, they're not even surviving, really. What they're doing is they're they're paralyzing themselves. Sure. It's it's almost like afraid to fail instead of you didn't get there because you're afraid. You got there because you know you can't. And you just ride the wave, both up and down. I'm stopping this right now. When you think of all the different emotions that you feel, um psychologically, it's like I stink. How many guys you see oh for ten? I stink. I don't know what's wrong. Big leaks. I stink. Yeah. Hey, can you give me something? Give me something to hold on to. And you're going, hit a line drive up the middle. Hit a line drive opposite field. Oh, yeah, okay, I'll do that tonight. Ground ball third. Strikeout. Pop up. I, you you did it for batting practice. You didn't even try it in the game. And yeah. then you get pissed off at yourself that you did it. And get back to what makes you you. Remember, I used to sit there and I'd say, you know, the best hit for me, Chris, was a line drive up the middle. And everybody go, a base hit? Oh, yeah, shitty single. Yeah. Line drive up the middle. I'm, I'm, don't, that really works for me. If I can do that, I, if, I can, if I can go to practice and hit 10 line drives off the back wall, I'm okay. It, it, I just started to think again, you know, when we're at batting practice, and you're at batting practice and people are launching in batting practice because they can. And I sit there and think, you know, when I was playing, they said, if you hit line drives, those are the balls that usually go further. 
because in the game, the timing's a little different. So you might catch that a little further back and you're going to hit that ball in the air. The pop-ups are home as you hit in the air of pop-ups in the game because your swing is long. You're trying to create more and the ball beats you and there's your fly ball, like fly ball, pop-up fly ball. And the ground balls that you hit in, in batting practice end up being your line drives because you actually, you're on time with those. You're not in front. And I'm yeah. going, I'm, I, I know it sounds crazy and I know we try to pay attention to our swing and I'm a really big, you have, I, I like to stay in, I, I, I call it staying in your swing path. If I can stay in my swing path, I'm going to get hits. I don't care who's throwing. It does not matter who. It could be Pedro. It could be Roger. It, you know, it could be the guys of today, Verlander, uh, Scherzer. It, it does not matter to me who's throwing. I don't care. It, it does not matter. He could throw it a thousand. If I'm in my path, I'm going to, I'm going to catch a ball back. I'm going to catch a ball in front. I'm going to catch a ball on time. And all of those times, it's like, you know, the guys that sit there and think they're late, but they hit a, a long fly ball to right field. If they're right-handed or a long fly ball, to, they're actually really close. They're not late. They just caught it back a little. The guys that are late, the guys are swinging miss under and they don't have any control of the bad hit. And they sit there and bang their heads. Going, if I would have hit it, I would have killed it. And then we're going, you weren't even close. <laughs> really, you were not close. I don't know what you're thinking about. I should have killed that ball. I'm going, it's just, it's hard when it, people are not realistic with themselves. No, it, the guys that sit there, I should have got it right. I, I got it. And like when, or I hit that ball good and going, the one thing they forget is somewhere in their minds, they think they're 50 home run a year guys. 50 home run a year guys go, I just missed it. Not, or 40 home run a year guy, or 30 home run a year guy. Guys who hit 10 a year, usually you have to get it all to get a homer. You don't miss and hit homers. Yeah. Guys, the guys who hit homers miss it and hit it out. So when you said, oh, I missed it, it's like, no, you got a good pitch to hit and you missed it. Your intent was too great for you to get it. That's the way I think about that. Maybe, maybe you I, miss I, good pitches. Yeah. Shame on you. I said I started. I'm changing the narrative now. So when guys come in to the dugout or they talk to me, like, I should have crushed that ball. I'm like, dude, maybe that was your fly out to right pitch. Like it wasn't your hit a homer. It's just your fly out to right pitch because you fly out to right on it way more than you hit it out. So like exactly. you so want to keep thinking, yeah. yeah. And I said, stop dragging your teammates down and pouting and stuff when you walk back. Like somebody screwed you. You screwed yeah. yourself. Yeah, it's it's, it's it, great. It, it, the game, the game is. If you just pay attention, if you pay attention when you're playing and you're honest with yourself, like all the things that you talk about start to make sense really quickly, like really, really quickly. And I think there's a lot of denial and insecurity and and look, it's it's a their human characteristics, and I, I just wish. And I know it's funny because you used to say to me, I've, you know, people probably think I'm crazy. And I, I say that out loud all the time now because I'm like, I see, I see this so clearly. I don't know how pe other people can't see what I'm seeing. And I'm trying to explain it the best I can. It's a, when you used to say to me, you know, I'd be more likely to take that ball in and hit it over the opposite field wall and the ball away and hit it over the pull side wall. I'm like, what is he talking about? I'm supposed to hit inside pitches to the pull side and outside pitches to the opposite field. And then all of a sudden, as I like started understanding the path, 
like I'm I'm crushing balls to right center or third and the balls that I'm hitting to the pull side are away and people are like what do you what do you mean I'm like yeah well, just get on path and then you know if it's down and out you catch it a little out front you stay there a little longer you stay on it with your nose and and you get it I, I hit the homer in the in the in the ALCS on a change up down and away and I hit it to the left center and just because I stayed I stayed with it I tell people all the time I just kept going I, I saw there yeah, was exactly. a change up but I'm gonna keep going you know um it's it's incredible. Um, I'm honestly like I, I, I'd have you on every week, Bobby. Can we have get on every week? Is that okay? Yeah, I'm, listen, that's fine. Do you want to host your own show? We can we can have the rich oh, get yeah. an hour. Yeah, that would be sure. That would be me. Well, you know what? From now <laughs> the on, funny we'll just part start is having, this doesn't feel like I'm on a show. This feels like I'm hanging out with my buddies talking baseball. Perfect. And you allow me to talk about things I think about, and and so therefore it's like. To me, some of these are like revelations that all I'm doing is repeating things that I think about and go, does it fit? And sometimes I, in this world, I'm not sure where I fit, but I want to I want to fit because it's what I do. And so it's like, what do I need to know? How do I need to know it? And how do I make myself useful and when to interject when it's going on? It's, it's really hard sometimes when you're dealing with young people who Hey, they want the ultimate. They want to go to the big leagues. They want, they 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 want to succeed in the big leagues. And I just, I think sometimes they get over anxious to get there too soon. And when they sputter, they think they're failing. And it's like, no, it's just it's the game trying to teach you something. You, you there are things you still have to learn to allow you to be you, because when you go up and play at the highest level there's a thing you're going to have to control and that's your emotion. The, when you get there and you're playing in front of 50,000 people for the first time, and it's not everywhere. It's 50,000, right? The places I'm talking about are Shea stadium, uh, Yankee stadium. Um, you know, those places it's, it's chaos in your mind. It's even walking around the city and you're just, you're on alert all the time and you step into the box and you have, you have nerve systems that you didn't even know you're in touch with. Um, I, 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 you think big there too, and it's crazy. But anyways, what I'm saying is that you have another level that you don't even know is in there until you get a chance to go to the major league. You actually act different when you go there too. All the things you ever learned on the way up, when you get there, it's like you run faster. Nobody needs to tell you. It's like you just do it because you're there. And you feel like you owe that to the guy next to you because you don't want to let him down and you don't want to give him a reason to send you down. The problem I have with today's game is there are a lot of people who come up and down. They, they, it, and I always thought when you get down, when they send you down, it's like you're not good enough. And hopefully the next time you come up, you can prove to me you belong here. When you go up and down all the time, and there's no real reason except for you have to think about it yourself, then you think that you're failing. <laughs> and so therefore it's really hard to be encouraged as to, well, you, you, you kind of get fed up with it. I've been brought up six, seven times. I've been sent back six or seven times. And I feel like I'm being used and being played. I'm sitting in a hotel, sometimes not even being activated, but it's not, it's not healthy for those guys to feel that way because of how special it's supposed to be when you get there. It's a different world when you get there. You get treated differently when you're there. 
you have all the best things. And all of a sudden, you should not feel used when you get there. You should feel appreciated when you get there. You should not have to be a hero when you get there. You should be part of a team when you get there. Young players, when they go to the big leagues, unless they're on a team that's failing, should have barely any expectation. They should just fit in. And it's like the veteran should be able to carry a young player if he's failing, in my opinion. If you need a young guy to take over your team, then you're, you're asking for trouble and you should not let that guy fail. You should have his back knowing that he's there before he should be. Yeah. That's just, I, I mean, I, I was really, I was really well protected, insulated from a lot of different things. Maybe it's just because I was naive, but I know that the people that were, were coaching me or around me made sure that I was, I, I understood what was going on. And I, I'm forever grateful for that. I think that's the biggest difference in the in the game now is you've taken out a lot of the veteran leadership and a lot of the veteran presence and it's becoming a young man's game and as talented and as, as athletic as these guys are, there there are things that they're not gonna be able to do no matter what your spreadsheet says, no matter what the algorithm says, like they're just not gonna be able to do them because they don't know enough. They don't have enough armor they don't have they don't have enough chinks in their armor they haven't even they haven't gotten the game hasn't beaten them up enough or you know Dante Bichette said this to us a while back he he goes you need 5,000 at bats before you're ready to play in the big leagues and and I said 5,000 we were talking about why and and maybe that's a number maybe it's not but the, the the concept behind it is you have to you have to put equity in the bank you have to build your armor you have to be able to deal with all the crap that the game throws at you because it's going to throw it at you like you said it, it's it's going to throw you some humble pie whether you like it or not it doesn't matter if you're mike trout or shohei otani or whoever it is fernando tatis like you can get kicked in the teeth and you know to your point i think when you can have a veteran group that can help the young guys do that and and you know for 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 our world in the amateur space that we look at now it's same thing in college baseball is happening right where it's that those feelings of like you're 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 crushing a guy's soul when you do this to him. When you play musical lineups, when you're when you're not explaining to a guy why he's hitting here or doing this or doing that, it's it. it I can see the effects it has on on the kids, and I just want to be able to go put my arm around him, say, "Hey, kid, like you did so many times for me, you're okay. You'll be all right." You know. So. It, 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 the funny part is is when you say that type of stuff, you you genuinely believe it but they also have no choice and so therefore what you're saying is you're okay because you have to be okay because if you if you deal with it badly if you show if you show it's bothering you then people take advantage of that if you compete if you just deal with it if you do not show too much emotion and you just go about your business. It's like, it's almost like you're okay. I'm I'm fine. I'm I'll be clear-headed for the next at bat. I'll be clear-headed for the next play. I understand where I fit. And one of the things that you said earlier, that's probably the most important thing of all, as hitters or players, is that when you do not feel good about yourself, when you are not going well, or you don't feel like you're going well, you have to find a way to succeed. You have to find a way to appreciate how difficult the game is and have productive things happen. That might be a sack fly. 
That might be a walk. That might be a 10 pitch at bat where you make an out, where you get, you move a runner. Um, a ground ball in the infield scores a run. Stuff that you help a team when you know that you're not right. And if you can do that, if you can handle this game when you feel like you're failing, you're going to play the game for a long time. Because we all know it's easy to play. It's easy to play when everything seems to be going right. I love, I, I, the part I love about the game is I never was one of those guys that always had it all going on at the same time. So what happened would, you know, I'd, I'd get two hits, but I'd throw a ball into center field or I'd miss a ball that cost us a run. So sometimes I used to think if I could drive in as much runs as I give up, then actually I'm helping the team win. It's selfish and individual, but it, it's you're trying to find ways to convince yourself that you're okay. And it's just sometimes it's, again, for people, just regroup and do what you need to do and find a way to be okay. That's awesome. Well, I, you know, like I said, I, I think we can keep you here forever. Um, I, the, 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 I'm so looking forward to seeing you on Thursday at, uh, I get the, the distinct pleasure of coming to attend your, uh, hall of fame induction. I want to just personally, like, I know you don't like talking about yourself or anything, but you are a Boston Red Sox hall of famer. Like that's just the fact like that happened. So cool. I, yeah. Like, how, I mean, really like this unbelievable. Like did you ever, could you ever imagine something like this? Like, like, well, it's, it's happens to other people. It doesn't happen to me, you know? And even when I talk about it, it's like, I, I play with some great players and because I play with some great players, they actually, I get to be considered a pretty good player. Um, I, I had a wonderful career in Boston. Um, I wish some of the things could have turned out better, but overall I feel like, um, it's nice to be recognized. Um, but the weird part is, is it, it, it feels like it's all about me when it's really all about everybody else. Because if it wasn't for my mom and dad, if it wasn't for my wife and my kids, if, if the things that make you want to keep going, the, the things that do keep you going, because you have a mouth to feed, you have, you have things to deal with. You, you have to, I want my father to be proud of me. I, I, I want the coaches that coach me to know that I appreciate the things they did for me. Those are the things that help you become a player. And I, God gave me some gifts and I tried to do the best I could with all of them. And so, yes, they call me a Red Sox Hall of Famer on Thursday and it's really exciting. But I, I, I almost, I, I hope I'm worthy of that, Chris, to tell you the truth, because, um, as much as it means for my for my playing career, and I'm sure it, it, it's important to my family, um, it's just what we do. You know what I mean? It's just what I do. I I was not looking for this. I'm glad it's happening. Um, I I'm not the guy who's supposed to be up there talking about it. It's not how I am. I don't like crowds. I like being in a cage. I like being at a game. Um, I like talking the game. I like helping people get better if I can. And so all those things, you know, if that makes you a Hall of Famer, then I'm accepting, but I'm still very humbled and honored by it. But I, I still don't feel I'm worthy of it. But 
I'm certainly glad to be here. Well, you definitely it's, are. It's awesome. I'm I just I'm very lucky to have you in my life. That's all I can say. That's uh I'm there's not many people I, people ask about your heroes all the time. I'm going to get choked up a little bit. This is kind of silly. Like and you know, when you're you're growing up, you're a kid. I, I used to look at like Ken Griffey Jr. and Cal Ripken and those guys and and think about, man, I, I you know, I want to be that. And I used to watch you as a kid on TV and I didn't really know your background and, and things like that. Uh, like, you know, you're, you know, people ask me about the top five people you want to have dinner with, you know, that question that are alive, like you're, you're in it, man. Like it's, and I get to have dinner with you a lot. So it's, uh, it's cool. I get to hang out with my hero, which is fun. So thanks Chris. Awesome. I appreciate it. That might be a first, first, uh, choked up pickle moment right there. That's, that's nice. <laughs> I don't get to have them often with them. I mean, I, I we talk a lot. It's just, you know, this is kind of cool. So, yeah, it's you guys been, are awesome. You guys are the, bringing a lot of neat stuff to uh, the, the forefront in this game. You just the, you were just saying stuff about how you you'll be accepting of the the Hall of Fame, but not actually feeling like you're deserving. I think that's what makes it real. That's that's what makes it possible of it's not something you like I don't, do you ever like pursue like oh, when you start playing the game is it to be a hall of famer that those are things that just happen it and the recognition of it is very special and it's amazing i mean i grew up a red sox fan to to think that you're going to be enshrined in the history of that organization that's incredible it's just it's it's super special um yeah you're one thing i wanted to kind of touch on was your you have a pretty just very interesting but unique perspective on the game because you've been involved in 40 plus years at the professional level you've been in the big leagues you've been in short season no a ball as chris and alex just like to call it or the indie ball it's you you've seen such a wide spectrum of the game as a player and as a coach so your i would say your perspective is so needed in the game and there's so many young coaches that get brought in now, and I feel like your messaging and your value to the game should be higher. It should be put <laughs> pushed up higher on the priority list because it's so real. It's you know everything that you've always talked about is what actually happens between the lines and what the re like what it feels like walking to the clubhouse each day. And maybe you're not so sure about yourself and the fear and the the uncertainty that's, I feel like that's where you really, for me at least impacted my like mindset and just understanding of what it means to be professional, even in my short time. Um, and it's just you, your, your perspective is incredibly unique and should, I think, I know we value it, Chris and I do, and I'm sure the people that you're around on a daily basis learn to appreciate it if they don't right away. So it's just, it's special. It, these types of like we used to hang out in the clubhouse and just try to get you going. Literally, yeah. just try to just try to get you going. I think Chris <laughs> might be frozen again. Are you back, Chris? No, I'm here. Yeah. I'm just listening. Yeah, but we used to. I mean, we would try to get you going. And one of the, I'm curious about, like, when you look back on your on your playing career. Like, what were you did some really cool things? You were an All Star twice. You played in the World Series. You caught Clemens' twenty strikeout game, like pretty amazing. Iconic. Like, 
iconic. How, like, like they, moments in the game that very few people get to do. Like the percentage of people that put cleats on at, in their life that get to do those types of things is crazy. I'm curious about what moments stand out most to you, whether it's milestones or just things that happen that maybe go completely unnoticed by everybody else, but really impacted you. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not really sure how to answer that. I, I, I really don't know. Um, it, it's weird. It, I, I guess to have some of these things happen and some of the things you mentioned, it's like, what impacts you? It's like, to me was trying to be the best I could be every day. Right. And I don't know if this is the answer, but it's like, it's one thing to get to the major league. You get to the major leagues, you get to see what it's like. You go to spring training, they send you back down. You get to the major leagues and you stay for eight, 10 years. And you're, and you're busting your hump every day to try to stay. You're trying to prove yourself to your teammates that you belong. You're trying to prove yourself to your organization. Um, you're, you're on the team. Now you want to be a guy who plays every day. All of a sudden you play every day and now you get an all-star selection. You get two all-star selections. You play in what is the ultimate, right? Everybody's playing to win a World Series. And we were playing at a time when Boston had not won a World Series. So to be part of that is, it, it's it's almost good and bad at the same time. It's unbelievable that um, when you're part of that, if you don't win, it's like you wish it didn't go. I'm telling you. It's so incredible to have those experiences and go, I wish we would have won because it would have been so much better if we did, because it took so long to learn how to deal with it after, because I felt like we failed the city. You know, we, we felt we failed all the people who supported us. And that goes from, from your family to your friends, to your fans, to your organization, to your city. And you go, I would never even think of saying these type of things, except that I've had 30 or so years to think about them and say, if anybody ever asked, what would you say? And you go, what made you you? It's like, it was, I, I guess I never took myself to be more than I was. Go play, go see who you can be and find out. And the times that I failed in this game and the times that I ended up leaving, and I think we all do, was when I thought I was more. And I became less because of it. Where if I would have just kept my nose to the grindstone, just kept playing the game, don't think I was bigger than I was, earned my keep, and would have been fine. And so there's highs and lows in this game. I had really highs at a very young age when I had no clue as to what I was doing. And then when I thought I should have been better, I was terrible. And not terrible, but I just wasn't as good as I should have been, I think. And I think everybody says that, you know, I, I could have had a better career. And then you go, will you please pinch yourself? You actually had a pretty good career. But then you sit there and go, well, I wasn't one of the best. And then I go, well, when you think about it, you grew up on Lafayette Street in Worcester, Massachusetts. And you dreamt about playing in a Red Sox uniform. And somehow 
God saw in your life that that's what he wanted you to be. I believe that. And so how do you humbly talk about that without talking about what's real and what's not real? And so the end was hard. And after the World Series was really difficult for me. Losses in my life were really difficult for me. I lost my sister and my father during that time. And I just, life didn't seem the same. They didn't have the same goals. I had a child born and go, oh my God, this is not the same. There were things that took away from what I thought I did best and what I was all about. And I, as I keep saying, I'm going to grow up one of these days and I keep hoping that I might. That's kind of stay the same, stay exactly the same. I don't know. I, I keep looking at my picture in, you know, this inset and my face feels like it's red as a beat. And then maybe it's just because I was out in the sun. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm imagining a morning of, you know, Monday, it's a Monday. So it's a day off and you got some travel today. So you had to be out in the yard doing some stuff, you know, like oh, yeah, no doubt. work at home. And then, uh, you know, obviously trying to figure out what I'm going to wear on Thursday going oh gosh and that's a that's a calamity for me let me tell you something i'm nervous about what i'm gonna wear on thursday i thought <laughs> about it and uh i'm not sure i'm really i wanna i, I just wanna first of all i want to tell manny and poppy how lucky they are to get to hang out with you um <laughs> duquette will just push him to the side we'll leave i don't need like let he's in another conversation that's neither here nor there but yeah i'm gonna let i'm gonna let poppy know and be like poppy you know how lucky you are to get to hang out with this guy right here and it's you know that's i'll that tell you class? what is that the the, the incoming class is how manny, about it, huh? manny how Dan about Ortiz, it? rich gedman yeah love it and yeah, like and yeah. there's an older gentleman i should know but i can't remember bill m is it bill emin bill l m m it starts with a knee i saw it and the Hall of Fame moment is October 27th, 2004. I'm not really sure which day that was, but it's one of them. Is that when Robert stole second? Uh, I can't know. Oh, no, I think it's when that. it's 2004. I think when they won, when they the, won World the World Series. Yeah. yeah. That's the Hall of Fame moment. Yeah. Um, I'm pumped. Like, I was at this dinner. I was at this dinner way back when, when um, Rogers' 20 strikeout game was um, what they highlighted. So, you know, it's kind of different than I. I, and I think I've been to only a couple after that. So to be going back, and this is a little different format than they're, they're used to doing. Yep. Uh, I'm what just, was that? Anyways, I'm, I'm, I get weird about not knowing what's going on or how it's going to happen. Maybe it's better off I don't know. I, I wanted but, to ask, what was the, uh, the 20 strikeout game? What was that like from behind the plate compared to other? Like, what was different about that game? Because that comes up on like Ness and highlights all the time. Yeah, I remember, so I've watched fun. that game so many times. Well, the, the weird part is even when it just shows up on occasion where you just, you see yourself catch a pitch and you're throwing it to third and you're going, that's me. Like, sure it is, dumbass. <laughs> um, it's like, a to me now, it's it, it's a whole different world. So anyways, Bob, what was the question again? I got drifted What was off. it, like, what was different about that game? Just watching. Oh, the, I mean, so, he had electric stuff, but you're 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 best seat in the house for that. Yeah, it, I mean, you watch you watch a lot of games, and there's not too many times you feel like you're playing catch. 
it felt like we were playing catch. It was unbelievable that he threw so many pitches that guys did not touch or barely touch or called strikes with no swings at all. And so you're going, gosh, even it's like if unhittable is without a no hitter being unhittable, that's what he was. It was absolutely incredible. I, I don't think I've ever had a, a, another game like it. Um, and the interesting part is when you're going through parts of becoming history, you don't know it when it's going on. So like any other game, you're trying to do whatever you can to help your team win. And so we were losing going into the seventh inning. So the, the strikeout guys, the K-men, if you will, in right field, if you look at what 15 Ks looks like across the, the right field wall back there, after you get to about six or seven, they kind of run together. So you got to start over again. So, and I, honestly, truly, I didn't know 20 strikeouts was the record. Um, not till he got 19 in the ninth inning when they said Roger just tied the record. And I think that was at the time that he just struck out the 20th guy as I was throwing the ball to third base. And I just, it, it was weird kind of looking and reflecting back, you know, when I start most recent where you're, we've got another out closer to having a win and you strike three end the inning and give a little fist pump going back. And it was your own little world that you were in and didn't know it. Like Roger knew, I guess Roger knew Nip must've told him he wasn't supposed to, but he told him anyways, just because that would be Nip. Um, Going, going through it was just like I said. It was just a game. It was just another game, but it, it became so much bigger after the fact. And when you're done playing, you look back and go, "I, I can't believe I was part of that." But I'm not really surprised that it wouldn't it, that it wouldn't happen with someone like him. And and even more surprised that it like it happened again. Like I'm not surprised that it that it happened again. The greatest part of all is that he did the 20 strikeouts and didn't walk anybody. And when I watched, I watched the end of the second 20 strikeout game and he actually should have had 21. It was incredible that night in Detroit where I think the last guy, he struck him out, but they didn't, I don't want to say they didn't give him a pitch, but it certainly was close enough to be called strike three. Yeah, but it was it was absolutely incredible moment. Um, certainly, a highlight of my career, um, being part of it. But I think it was a highlight for both of us. I often sit there and I laugh when I tell people that um, I do have a little bit of an ego. Um, I try not to show it too often, but um, I I tell people that yeah, when Roger struck out twenty, he thought I was good. <laughs> rather than everybody thought he was great so it, it, it's kind of a wonderful moment that like we like i helped him grow the first yeah. like six or seven years of his career and he you know he is a wonderful character guy just hard working you know student of the game wants to be one of the greatest um and just was a great teammate and um you know all the accolades the, the positive accolades that you could give a person, he deserves them. Um, just a wonderful career. Um, and talk about Hall of Famers, right? Um, 
how does this guy not be in the Hall of Fame? Um, it's just it's a shame that baseball would would do that to uh, a pitcher of his caliber. Well, it's, whatever. It's a, that's another. That's another yeah, day. Another we, story. We can we can get into that in the episode two of the Rich Gedman show if we want. That's listen. That people that aren't. This is the reason why that people that are between the lines and and experience the game and all the things that make it so special and unique and different and probably need to have a place in the game at the top of the food chain because if you haven't and you don't, then you know too many talking heads come out and try to tell you what's right and wrong. And you're like, dude, what the hell are you talking about? You don't know your ass from your elbow and you're just making shit up right now. So it's, uh, I, I, being on the outside now a little bit, I, I can say that all that stuff more openly and comfortably. Cause I don't, frankly, like it's just, it's a shame. I know. Yeah. You, you get dealt some pretty shitty cards, Chris, and that's not right either. And I'm glad you created a forum that you can at least speak on it and um, get the people, get the people who listen to you really get to know who you are and what you're about and what a travesty that, that happened. And not only to you, but probably many others um, for whatever the powers that be decide to do or, you know, that they just have to have some influence in this game some way, some, somehow that they could actually think that, when they're right, they're right, and they can't possibly be wrong. Oh, it's, uh, it takes away from the core principles of humanity and morality and all that we can get into as much depth as we want to about it. And probably part yeah. of the reason why, you know, guys like us who have been in the game our whole lives and certainly your uh, your your track record's longer than mine. And I'm ca- I feel like I'm catching up, though. You know, someday I'll <laughs> catch up. But, uh, you know, it's... It's a special game. It means a lot to all of us, and I, I can't tell you how much this means to me. And I'm—I know anybody that listens, and I, I'm pointing everybody right to hey, click on this episode because you need to see a little bit into what makes me me because of him. So it's awesome. I appreciate it, Chris. Can't wait to see it Thursday you. too. I'm so yeah, pumped. man. Looking forward to it. Might have a sign. I'm put a sign up. <laughs> Have a good travels to Lehigh Valley and back. And uh, on that note, Pickle is out. <laughs>